a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. We're back, season three, episode one. Uh, we kind of had some stuff go on over the summer where we've talked about. We've, we've done a couple episodes over the summer, but this is it. We're officially back. We're sponsored by Jersey Mike's this year. We have some more sponsors coming on board. Yeah. And, uh, and big, awesome things happening for the show. So we appreciate everybody that supported the Utah Puck Report. Uh, the growth of the show was, to say the least, doubted at the beginning. And <laughs> it's... Right, Gary? Yeah. Doubters. Yeah. Uh, the host. Our, our other host, Gary Michaels, is here, and uh, we're just excited to be here and know that we have a season three going and that we have sponsors and that we have uh, an audience. And so we're going to make this this episode, we're going to have more of a panel because there obviously is so much going on with with COVID and with the leagues. I mean, the NHL just barely finished, um, so and we don't know when everything else is going to start. Utah high school hockey has started. Uh the adult leagues have not started. Uh, youth leagues have kind of started. If you're on a travel team or if you're willing to drive out of the valley to play, those things have started. And so we're going to touch on a lot of that. Uh, special guests today, we have Ryan Kanaswich from the Utah Grizzlies, who's the assistant coach of the Grizzlies now and was a longtime player. Ryan, thanks for com- coming on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me again. And then we also have Mason Manick, who plays in the WHL for the, the Portland Winterhawks and is – a longtime family friend and, and for the show. Mason, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, happy to be back. Thanks. And then we're excited. Nick, you've been on the show before. We have Nick Halloran, who's just finishing, finished his uh, season up at Colorado College or, you know, in March, I guess. And then signed, which is with the Ontario Reign of the AHL, which is the NHL. He's affiliated with the NHL's LA Kings, which until two weeks ago is where all of our Utah players were affiliated with. And then... You know, obviously, Trevor Lewis did not re- get re-signed. So we'll talk about that. But, Nick, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thanks for having me. Congratulations on the contract. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yeah, we're really excited for you. I mean, we're obviously, we, we support all the Utah hockey players. You and I go way back. You played on the same team with my son. And it's been fun to watch you grow up and your, your brother from the Air Force Academy. You guys were both on the show. And it's been fun to watch you guys go and, and – uh, it's just awesome. I'm excited. I'm really excited to see the AHL start. So yeah. let's we'll start with you in the AHL. And first, will you walk us down the the path of getting signed? And uh, how did that happen? Your college season ended way quicker than anybody expected. So can you touch on all of that? 
Yeah, it was a pretty bizarre time for me, for sure. Uh, you know, we played our last regular season game and we were going into the playoffs versus North Dakota. And then, <clears throat> you know, our coach just got a call and said the season's canceled. So uh, it's pretty abrupt ending. Wasn't expecting it, but it is what it is. And, um, you know, I was fortunate to get four years there and get a degree. So I'm pretty fortunate for that. And, uh, you know, I love my time there. But <clears throat> afterwards, it was I mean, I still kind of feel like I'm in a weird purgatory stage of, you know, training and being ready for whenever the call is. But, um, yeah, you know, my agent and I kind of talked and we had a couple teams fielding offers and whatnot. And it kind of just seemed like the best fit was with Ontario, um, the AHL team of the Kings, like you said. And uh, it was really exciting. I think I signed back in like April, um, you know, pretty high jitters and, you know, going to the gym early, getting real excited. And uh, it's certainly been a long summer just training and um, trying to stay busy. I've been helping my brother with his construction company and um, just kind of little stuff like that. But uh, it was fun having the NHL go and watch that. But for me personally, yeah, I've just been training, kind of getting ready to go whenever that may be. Yeah, that's that's got to be tough because you typically you have a uh, all right. I'm going to train for you know I know I'm going to start training in June or July and then be in peak physical condition when I show up to camp on September September 12th and yeah. now it's like October 54th or whatever. You never know. Like it's it's right. just so random. It's, it's got to be tough. And, and Mason, I know you're going through the same thing. Like. Um, being friends with your parents and, and seeing the workouts you're going through uh, with the WHL, what's the latest on the WHL and how, how things been for you this summer? Uh, so the latest on the WHL is we have a December 4th start date. That's um, not official yet. So obviously we'll see if as time goes, but um, as far as summer, I mean, just like Nick said, it's been long and it's hard as you touched on to kind of manage on when you want to be at your, at your peak head into the season. And so, it's been, you know, thankfully this summer it's been nice. We've had guys like Nick and Daniel and uh, Jared Pike and Josh Wesley stick around where we've been able to put a pretty good group together, which has helped big time. But, yeah, it's long, and it's just trying to, you know, keep your head keep your head in it, keep working hard, and just getting ready for whenever that may be. Yeah, that's got to be tough. I mean, and it's it's referred to the keep moving your cheese, right? Like you're, you're, you're a mouse in a, in a maze and you, you used to know where the cheese was so you could work towards it. And now they've moved your cheese. Is it a lot like being uh, injured? You know, when you're injured, that's all you're doing is rehabbing and working out. Yeah. Except for you kind of have a timeline of when you're going to get back. Yeah, kind of, yeah. you know, depending on the injury. This we don't know. And then Kanasiewicz, you're, uh, you're the coach this time and, and you've lived through every summer of, of, trying to get ready for when you were a player and now you're helping a lot of these players around here get ready and stay ready how are things going with you in that realm uh they've been going good you know uh we got a little group going at the maverick center a couple days a week uh, nick and mason and brickley and pike and a couple of younger kids out there just trying to help these guys out and keep them ready for who knows when you know <laughs> It's yeah. just, it's kind of the world we're living in right now. And, you know, if we can, uh, you know, help the local guys out, I'm, I'm happy to do it, you know. So the Grizzlies, I, I've seen you guys have signed a few guys, and, and you've announced a December 10th or December 11th start date? 11th, yeah. 
Okay. And, and it's pretty odd the, the way they did it. So some teams are playing, was it 75 games and some are playing 65? 72 and 62. So just, it, it varies basically state by state, you know, as of now we have, I think what, 12 teams playing the 72 game schedule. And I think it's, uh, no, is it October or November 30th? The other teams have to give an answer whether they're in or out for the season. So, Oh, wow. I didn't um, realize that was the deal. It's no different than the A. Like, I think Ontario, they play, like, what, 68 games, Nick? I think so, something like that. This season might be a little modified. I'm not sure yet. <laughs> well, on a, like on a typical year, and then out east, I believe they play, like, 76, and they just go off percentages. So, right. I mean, you're still going to have a playoff system and all that. It's just – it's going to be weird. Yeah. But if we, if we can get back to hockey – Great, because it's been too long, you know. Yeah, and I've seen a lot of teams are like, man, if if the government doesn't allow us to have fans in the building, then we can't afford to function. Like, yeah. We have to have some kind yeah. of income. Well, that's, I mean, even the NHL, they're, you know, they could sustain the bubble that they just went through. But having a season, there's a lot of teams, I'm sure, that bank on that that uh, ticket money every night, you know, ticket, beer sales, food, parking, all that, uh, that, that breaks in a lot of money for these clubs. So the minor league teams need it, you know, tenfold. So if, you know, if we can't have fans, it's, it's tough to, tough to move on. Yeah. And that's one thing maybe fans don't understand is that uh, minor league teams, the, the ticket sales and, and like you're talking about beer sales and food and parking, because you don't have a big TV contract. You're not on ESPN or NBC here make, yeah. bringing in millions of dollars then. What you have is expenses as far as coaching and players and, and, and staff. If, if, if butts aren't in the seats, there's not money coming in to pay those bills. Yeah, exactly. Uh, that's tough. Um, uh, Gary, you've got kids playing hockey. What's, what's going yeah. on in the youth aspect Man. of hockey right now? All hockey. Man. <laughs> I'm there like six days a week at the rink now. So yeah, it's been great that's nice. At least yeah, you're going nice. to go to the we've rink. Been, we've been out at the Oval. The home rink is Cottonwoods. We played for the Junior Grizz. And, uh, but we've been out at the Oval and the Maverick Center this year. But now we're kind of more – we do a few games at Maverick and we go up to Park City. But it's mostly – our you know, practice will be at Cottonwood now because Cottonwood's done. Are parents so, allowed in? They, they like one parent to come. At Cottonwood, uh, Oval, they don't care as many people. Well, I don't know if as many. They probably want, but they don't put a a barrier on it. You know, they don't say one parent or two or whatever. And um, Maverick uh, Maverick Center is no fans for practice, uh, but you can if parents can go in and watch games. Yeah. Yeah. And can I ask which we we've talked before, and and we had when we had Jared Youngman on the show, we talked about. The uh, we talked about that. That's a huge building, right? You, you guys have a lot of capacity for fans, and yeah. you typically, let's say, you get six thousand fans, but you the rink holds what fifteen thousand? No, I think it's like ten two. Ten two. All right. Yeah. So let's say let's say you get six thousand fans, and I kind of joked around a little bit, and I'm not trying to offend the Grizzlies by saying this, but if a lot of minor league teams are already kind of set up for social distancing, right? Like you've got room when you go to a Grizzlies game. 
you could still sell the normal amount of tickets. And it feels to me like I can go to the Maverick Center and have space enough to feel safe in this pandemic. Yeah. Uh, I mean, did you bring that up to Jared? I haven't, <laughs> I haven't you brought it up to him yet, but we joked around throw about me like, throw me dress like a seat <laughs> night, stuff like that. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously, like, weekday games for us are tough, you know, drawing fans, but you know, we rely on our weekend games and, the, you know, those big nights like uh, military night and guns and hoses and stuff like that where we actually fill the building. So I think that's – those nights for us really move us along in the season, you know. Yeah. So I think for Jared, that's, you know, not being able to fill that rink on those, you know, five, six nights a year is it's a big loss for the team. But I think if we can get playing, I'm not sure what we're under now. The governor just changed everything basically. Right. We were allowed 3000, I think, but oh, I'm really? not. Yeah. And I don't know by the time December 11th hits, who knows what that number will be, right? So, Right. Well, my team is trying to go to Vegas to play in a tournament. And yeah. we had signed up for the tournament three months ago, and it was supposed to be held in October. And at the time, they were like, okay, we can do this. And then as, the, as it approached, it got closer. Vegas had a, a second outbreak or whatever. And they said, okay, we can no longer play games. So the tournament got moved from October to November. And then I was on the phone with the tournament director yesterday and they said, oh, uh, no games can be allowed. But what we can do is a scrimmage. Uh, no, no fans in the building. We can do a scrimmage, but you can't have a referee, an official on the ice, but you can have a, a gamekeeper that doesn't blow a whistle, but can tell you to stop. And if there's a penalty, you get a penalty shot, but zero face-offs. So like if you score, they just got to throw the puck and they're like, are you willing to do this? And so far, I guess eight of the teams were like, hey, we're desperate for hockey, so we're, we're in. Yeah. So, I don't know. There's just been a lot of desperation, a lot of change. And been... It's like a game of pickup, right? If you're, you're going out, you get scored on, you drag it out, and you just keep going. So. Yeah, exactly. And what, what's the gamekeeper do? They just sit in the uh, Maybe pull the puck out of the net, calls the unofficial penalties – Maybe sets the puck down for a penalty shot. So he's a ref without a whistle. A ref without a whistle. That's basically what it is. Because we can't have whistles. Why can't you have a whistle? Because you'd be blowing uh, coronavirus all over the ice. All over. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of those things. But I've seen in some of the leagues. I, I, believe, <laughs> I believe the NHL and even college football in the, in the very beginning had those electric whistles. Do you remember that? I don't know. All right. How no. many of you guys watch? Did you guys all watch the playoffs? Yeah. Yeah. Quite a bit of it. So what did you think about the bubble? Mace, we'll start with you. What did you think about playing in the bubble? And what did you think about – I mean, because Portland plays – you guys have a pretty good fan base. What would it be like yeah. to play a pro-level game with no fans? I don't know. And we kind of thought that our playoffs were going to be similar to that. But I was pretty skeptical headed into, like, the NHL playoffs and how it was going to be. But – like, right off the bat, I thought the guys were, like, unbelievable. Like, there was fights, hits, goals. Like, it was nuts. Like, they adapted pretty well. And I think it's pretty obvious when guys at that level, like, they just want to win. They don't They don't really care. But, I mean, you hear stories, like, the first couple of games, there's an adjustment on how quiet it was and all that. But also, like, when you're playing and it's that high of a level and everything's going so fast, when you're 
in the middle of a play, like you don't really hear the outside noise anyway until after. So like, I think it'd be weird probably sitting on the bench or, you know, in between whistles or whatever. But I mean, when you're playing, you're playing. It's just, you know, just how it is. Yeah. Nick, what'd you think? Did you think that, did you notice a drop in intensity or did you just see it as intense right from the get go? Uh, I agree with Mason. I thought it was pretty intense right off the bat. And especially with no fans, you could almost hear and feel the game a little more. So it was definitely intense. Uh, I thought the NHL did a great job. I actually heard someone arguing the other day that, you know, the winner of this cup, Tampa, uh, arguably had the hardest path to it because there was zero fan interaction and momentum swings like that. It was just pure hockey and, you know, best team goes on. So um, interesting perspectives, but like I said, I thought the NHL did a great job. And then I I think a lot of people needed hockey in their life. So um, yeah, I thought it was awesome. Yeah. I'd agree. Gary, what did you think? You watched a lot of games. We texted quite a bit back and forth. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. You know, I mean, it's what kind of like a practice. There's no, probably not a lot of fans up in the, in the stands of practice. But like the other guy said, you know, once that's put in front of you, you know, here's our mission. This is my job. And you want to you want to win a cup and you go for it. You know? Yeah, like I had no issues oh, with great. it. Yeah, watching it, I, I thought it was amazing. And then I, it was still fun. The other part of it that was kind of like I said we were texting back and forth but we didn't get together and watch any games and that's the other part of the COVID part is that there you don't have guys over for a barbecue and and a drink and watch the games and it was just a lot of time I I turned to my wife who's reading a book right and she has and I'd be like oh did you see that player I'd say something about a goalie and she'd try to participate but doesn't care and yeah. it's, it kind of takes the fun out of it, right? And it's just like, oh. Just yelling at the TV. My kid's watching me, you know. Even though there's no fans, you can still see when the guys would score or a big moment. They're still super passionate. So fans are not. It was pretty cool to see them kind of give it their all. Yeah, yeah I loved hearing the uh, the fans cheer each – or the, the players cheer each other on during big hits and stuff too, or big saves. You could hear it coming from the from the fans. So, or not from the fans, but from the players who are also fans, but supporting each other, right? Yeah. I think they had that fan, like, noise, did they not? Yeah, they they did. They did a little bit. Fan track that made it, they're doing it with baseball, too. Yeah. (laughs) See, I'm against it. I don't know, it it just kind of makes it, there's that kind of just murmur during the play, you know, like there would be, I I thought they did a great job. I thought it was fantastic, but... Obviously, to have fans in the building for playoff, there's some home ice advantage and stuff like that. But right, good on those players. They're they're true professionals and they work their tails off for for the end result. So yeah, I mean it's it's similar. I, I don't want to compare it to being a soldier, but you were you're pulled away from your family and you're put in a in a hotel to do your job, mm-hmm. and you didn't get to go home and see your family after the game or anything, unless you're a Tuka. And more is coming out about that, right? Like everybody, when that first happened, was like, well, he's not a fighter. He didn't care about his team. But now we're finding out that his daughter was uh, critically ill and possibly wasn't going to live through the entire playoff series anyway. So I think more, I think more fans will forgive Tuca for that. What anybody else have take on that? You would hope so, right? Like something that's serious. It's like family's always first, of course. It's what we're taught growing up. So something that's serious you got to take care of that before yeah. or anything I, th- I think you should, was, you should have stayed out of the bubble you know if, yeah. if that was the issue like everyone would have forgave him 
right? Right. But obviously, nobody like it's families first. But I think he should have he should have just stayed out and been with his family from the get go. Yeah, yeah, possibly. I, yeah. I don't know exactly what the deal was, but yeah, it's yeah, it and it it's got to be hard to know what the right choice is. But if it's your family, it's got to come first. And yeah, either way, what he did was his decision. But and we don't know if she got sick while he was in the bubble. If she, you know, so it's you can't blame the guy for wanting to be with his family. It's crazy that people like judge him for that. I think it's like mind boggling to me. Well, at but, first, and people judge him at first, and like you know, as a coach now, like when he made his announcement, because he was chirping the bubble, he was saying it's this is yeah. and he didn't come out and say right away it was family. Like if he would have said, "Listen, my daughter's sick at home," then he wouldn't have got the backlash. You know? Yeah. See, I agree with that. And, and that's one of the frustrating things about how they handle information in the NHL or any pro sports. They've gotten to the point now where they're like, oh, it's an upper body injury or whatever. And they don't tell you, and maybe it's not our business, but if anybody would have said, all right, this is what he's going through, then there would have been, I think there would have been zero backlash. Yeah. And maybe you wanted privacy, but you don't have that privacy anyway. No. People are going to be chirping about you and saying things about you and, your, and every Facebook like every Boston fan probably said something on Facebook about him not being a good teammate or whatever, but that would have hundred percent flipped if they would have said his daughter's super ill. He needs to be by her. And anybody with kids would have been like, yeah, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. At least you'd hope. A stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon, but violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about uh, the other stuff that's going on with the, with the NHL and uh, the free agency that's going nuts. And I made a comment yesterday on my Facebook, uh, or actually two days ago, that it was hard to be a Knights fan. And then three days before that, I said something about, now what do I do with all my LA Kings shirts? And I get, it's funny the instant messages I get from people for one thing or another, being fans of two teams is one thing. And honestly, I just like the NHL, and I don't have a favorite team except for I have players that I really like. And uh, I have not appreciated what the Golden Knights have done as far as how fast they fired their coach, how fast they seemed to give up on Marc-Andre Fleury. And then I did not love the, the move they made to bring in Petriangelo and get rid of Nate Schmidt. Granted, I don't know anything about running a team. I just know what I like as a fan. Um, and then the other, the biggest thing for us is seeing uh, Trevor Lewis not getting re-signed. And I know that Nick probably can't comment very much on this since you're in the organization, uh, but Gary, Ryan, Mason, what are you, what have you guys been thinking watching all this stuff go on? And what are your thoughts about the free agency frenzy as they call it? I think it's been pretty slow to be honest. It seemed like there's, you thought Petrangelo would sign right away. Um, Vegas is in, they're in a market where it's win now, you know, and I think with their ownership, they're going to continue to be that aggressive and, Nate Schmidt, great player. Yeah, 
but Petrangelo is an upgrade for sure. Yeah. In my, in my, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a captain. He's, he's won a cup. He's a high point producer. He's a right shot skates. Well, uh, I, th- I think it's a big upgrade, but they have had some, uh, you know, disloyalty to, to some of their guys, I feel like they, uh, but that's that's the business you're in, right? I, I get that it's the business. I, I couldn't believe they didn't resign England. I like, he's a, I, he's too. I think he's too slow. I get it, but uh, he's also a Vegas-born guy, and I totally get it. Like, I I I understand that it's, uh, you know, it, you got to have the right pieces in the right places, or you're not going to make the playoffs, and you're not going to make money. But I thought they gave up on the coach way too fast. And I did not think the Bora was an upgrade. Yeah, uh, I, I agree with that. And I, I thought maybe there was a little – it just seems like they're quick to pull the trigger on those things. And well, they Schmidt is a huge local hero there. Yeah, and so is England. But I guarantee you England has a development role within that organization if, if he doesn't continue to play, you know. Right. They'll definitely take care of him. So, anybody have any guesses on one if Trevor lands somewhere, and if so, where? Vegas. Yeah. yeah. Do you think? I I could see it. It's close to home. Like. Yeah. That's that's actually one of the things I. It's funny. I had tried to start writing articles for KSL, and every time I'd start before I got the thing finished, the move would happen because I'm a slow writer apparently. But they had a. You know, I was writing, I wrote an article about Flurry, and then things started happening right away. And then I was writing an article about that I didn't think that the Sharks were going to re-sign Aaron Dell. And I didn't think that Trevor was going to get re-signed. And I submitted it. And then the next day it was already announced before it got through. Because they have to fact check everything I say. And uh, spell check. Don't yeah, and, oh, spell check, grammar check. Sometimes yeah. I just make up words. That's what happens from working with John Carter for so long, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> just make up words. And uh, anyway, those things, those things didn't happen. So I, I started writing another article that I thought uh, teams that were looking because uh, Trevor Lewis kind of has that Dustin Penner pedigree to him where he, he is maybe a third or fourth line guy that seems to, you know, he, he's good at killing penalties and he's good at drawing penalties and he's a good energy guy and they love him in the locker room and he's got two cups and that and Dustin Penner turned that into like four more years in the NHL than he should have, in my opinion. And I can see Trevor being an essential piece to another team looking for this, that, that little spark plug in their, in their locker room, Vegas, uh, Dallas. And I thought possibly Vancouver, but I don't watch the East that much, I guess. Anybody else got guesses? I, I don't know. It's hard to put a guess on something for us, but I think, just watching him, like I was able to watch him, watch the team practice in Calgary. We were playing up there, and so we actually practiced right before them. And, I mean, he's – good thing about Trevor is, like, he works so hard. I think Nick could attest. We've worked out with him this summer. Like, he works hard. He's still in, like, tip-top shape. So, like, wherever he, wherever he ends up, he's, it's going to be good for him. I think a fresh start will be good for him. And, and I think, you know, a team's going to benefit from a guy with his experience. So, no matter where he goes, he's going to be in a good spot, in my, in my opinion. Oh. Well, and if somebody reaches out for him, I think it's going to be a contender. So he's going to go from a rebuilder to a contender. Yeah. So in, in reality, this could be a real shot for him to get that third cup. 
Yeah, and I'll probably, like Mason was saying, just revive his career too because the last couple of years in L.A. have been down years, obviously. They've been kind of rebuilding there. So you go to go to a Vegas or Dallas, you know, wherever he lands, a contender, that kind of sparks your interest again, you know. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Okay, so uh, so Nick, talk to us. Tell us what do we have to look forward to to uh from you like what's going on with you and what do you know is going to be in your future here um as far as just kind of the next couple months here or like my gameplay or when do you when do you as of right now when are you supposed to go to camp um i think so they've come out with december 4th right but so that would put camp early-ish November, <clears throat> mid-November, but that's kind of looking like that's going to get pushed back because Batman came out and talked about how they, they want to aim for like January-ish. So um, last I spoke with the GM, kind of everything filters down from them. So I think we're just going to follow suit. So whatever the NHL does, I think it's kind of a, you know, similar pattern as, as them. So if they push it back, I think I can expect to get pushed back. So um hopefully you know earliest start I mean if they ended up somehow making a December 4th start day for us viable that'd be incredible um so then I'd probably head out here in the next month or month and a half but um it's kind of looking like it's gonna get pushed back a bit so if that happens then maybe a mid-December camp and then start date early January and you know if it ends up getting pushed back even to late January then it'd probably be January start date and then go from there but uh in the meantime yeah just trying to stay busy keep my head keep training thanks to you know can he's really helped out a ton and those skates are really helpful and competitive and practice game like so a lot better than you know kind of I mean we had some good skates going but it wasn't nearly as it's it's a lot different we have someone out there running the drills that's not participating because you know I think it makes it harder and whatnot but um from me I I think I've been getting strong all summer and I think I'm a quick shifty forward that can add a dynamic piece to you know a number of lines and I can play with a bunch of different players I think so um I'm excited to just get started you know I miss hockey so much and I'm sick of doing concrete work so (laughs) (laughs) yeah I bet well I do have an opening on my men's league team I mean we could use a shifty forward it sounds like (laughs) you've got some time going um Mason I know you're uh, same boat. I want to talk to you one thing about the WHL before we get into what you're what's what you're doing. Uh, was there a rumor that the WHL was going to be a pay to play? Like you were, because as a I don't know if a lot of people know, but major juniors you have to pay to play. You get paid while you're there, and they pay for your billet. But there was there was I know there was some contemplation that in order for the WHL to continue or all the Canadian hockey leagues, they were going to have to pay to play. Have they said anything about that to you? No, I've had a couple of people ask me about that, but they haven't said anything remotely close to that. So as far as us, the players know, I haven't heard anything about that. So I guess time will tell, but as of now, no. Mason, what were you saying the other day in the locker room about uh, like a non-contact CHL league or what were you saying there? So I've, I've, I'm sure everyone – yeah, it's like the OHL has like – they propose a no-body check rule or like you can't – check or something and the queue they have like a anyway. three fight no, i was gonna say i thought the queue was no check anyway yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i guess it is nowadays that's kind of 
that's the stereotype they get, especially from all, all the guys in the West. But yeah, yeah. So, so that yeah, was I don't know. Part, talking about that? Yeah, I've seen a thing to where that's what the, the governor or whatever they are up there. That's what they wanted. And then the queue they have like a it's like a five and ten for a fight now. And if you fight more than three times in a season, you face suspension. So times are changing, man. It's weird. But as far as our our league, nothing nothing different right now. So you don't know that they're called the premier up there. The you know anything? Nah, about, I don't know. Nothing about Canada yeah. or what? <laughs> no, nope, I'm an American. Right, stick to that. <laughs> he plays in a Canadian league, but he still plays in America, so he's he's been yeah. sheltered, sheltered yeah, from. I had no problems staying American. So. All right, so uh, I know you've been staying busy this summer. You're you're doing electrical work for your dad, and then you're also mm-hmm. you've got your own little business going, right? Yeah, I do. I started it. I think I launched January first of this year. Um, so it's called Buck Tough Outfitters. I try to. It's hard. So during the year, it's kind of hard to balance. You know, it's so much hockey that sometimes it, it gets a little overwhelming. And so a lot of guys like video game stuff, but it never was my thing. And so I found myself constantly trying to find something to do. And then the idea came upon me. I was able to start my own clothing line. And right now it's closed. And eventually I want to get into hunting gear, fishing gear, stuff like that. So I'm super, super outdoorsy. My family loves to spend time outdoors. So I tried to tie that in and that way, when I get home from the rink, I can work on that and also not have to rely on my parents for money anymore. And so yeah. I guess it's kind of part of growing up, but it's been, it's been awesome. You know, I met a lot of great people and I just, you know, hope to grow from here. So, so are you still the, you got to go home every day and pack boxes and go drop stuff off for shipping and print labels? Yeah. Um, that's the easy part, honestly. I, I like that part. The hardest part I found is the marketing aspect, social media, stuff like that. That's never been like my thing really. So it's been interesting trying to broaden my spectrum to market to certain audiences and find new people and you know, meet new people. But meeting new people has been awesome. That's been one of the coolest parts about it is that, you know, growing a lot of great relationships. So. Very cool. Well, we'll put it, we'll, uh, like I said, I have to get it approved, but I think we can put the, uh, put your website on our, when we post this interview and it's yeah. Buck Tough. Dot com? Out. Bucktuffoutfitters.com. Bucktuffoutfitters.com. So if you guys are looking, yep. he's got lots of cool stuff. Uh, I, I see all your posts. I follow you on all that stuff. And then obviously, like, you know, seeing you and uh, your friends and your parents out there wearing the gear. And that's that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, it's thank very, you. I appreciate it. Very cool to see that going. Uh, so, Ryan, what do, what do we expect from the Grizzlies now? We, we are – we heard Nick saying that they might be pushed back. Are we sure that we're – I think the East Coast League is not going to be affected by that. Uh, I mean, anything can change, you know. You, you know what kind of year we're in. Um, we have been sent a, a schedule, like as a staff and organization. I don't think it's out yet, but uh, that schedule is only ten games before January fifteenth, before the other teams would join. So it's promising. Uh, if it if it goes awesome if it doesn't it, you know we'll probably get pushed back into the new year um but i'm hoping that we uh we're able to go so we're all hoping yeah it'd be nice to some games. yeah just be nice to i mean we, we've been going to the rink uh quite a bit lately so we're kind of getting back into 
somewhat normal routine trying to get ready for this so it's, that's been nice uh weather's still pretty good so trying to get out on golf too so oh yeah yeah sick invites guess i missed those i'll have to check my inbox maybe you're going to jump <laughs> Oh, I played with you a couple of years ago. I don't know if you can hang. So. I know I can't. <laughs> I can't hang. But if I remember right, it was Tim Branham putting them all into people's yards. Yeah. I think At least I was just on the wrong fairway. You were on the wrong, yeah. <laughs> Tim usually puts them in people's backyards and on I-215. And... <laughs> oh, adventures in golf. I like it. I mean, yeah. yeah. Just down the street from my house, and I know everybody's going to know exactly what I'm talking about, on the uh, Murray Parkway golf course. They just built all these houses right kind of in this little inlet that goes into the golf course off, yeah. off 6400 South. And I'm like, what are you thinking? That's got it. Those houses, they're like $600,000, and they got to just be eating golf balls from guys like me. What, what holes it on? Oh, I don't know. That back one that goes straight up 6100. Something, 17. Yeah. One of the later holes, right? Yeah. 17 okay yeah it's one that i know that you you get to and you're like all right there's a i'm gonna chip this and you think you're gonna hit a 10 foot chip and then i i typically shank the ball and put the 10 foot chip about 30 feet the other way so right into those houses right where those houses are now it's a great great strategy yeah well maybe it'll bounce back though <laughs> yeah never know like volleyball yeah. All right, Gary. So, what do we got to uh, what do we got to look forward from you and your kids for hockey? What's going on? Well, uh, you know, it, it's obviously great just to have hockey, you know, and the kids being able to get back into somewhat of a, a routine. Even, you know, even if you got to wear a mask around and stuff, that's that's nothing that that doesn't bother them. But um, they don't really know as far as uh, any sort of travel what's going to happen this season. You know, it's um, yeah, because every state's different. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Idaho has been here and they played in park city a couple weeks ago and uh, they had a little, little tournament. And so it was Idaho has been here and Vegas has been here, but as the Grizzlies haven't traveled anywhere yet. So that, but they are putting together some stuff. I think our first tournament for the uh, 14 U team is um, uh, December. And, and then you uh, play in the men's league thing, right? Like you play the men's uh, tell me yeah. to just pump that a little bit. So guys understand what that is. And, because I know a lot of people are looking, and you guys are actually playing. So you have oh the MHL forty thing. Yeah, yeah. My father-in-law runs that, and it's just you know, it's uh, no refs. It's kind of like a pickup. You know, there's four game or four teams, and you play about twelve games, and it's at the Maverick Center, and it's nine forty-five or ten fifteen, and you know, it's just uh, <laughs> before you would always have tons of guys missing, right? Before yeah. the Rona, you know, it was like guys is like too late, man. Now, full bench, every game, everybody's excited to be there. And it's cool. It's fun. It's, um, we're, I think we've had about six games so far. Oh, yeah. And that's MHL 40. And if guys are still looking, they can find that somewhere? Or is yeah, it too just, late to sign up? Yeah, on Facebook. Okay. All there's, right. a, there's a page there. And I'll tell you, you're exactly right about that. The, uh, the whole, like, you just take advantage of whatever ice you can get. And they're like, hey, we're – we need a goalie uh, to play at 11 o'clock in Ogden. And I can't sign up fast enough. All the other goalies are like, I got it. I got it. I'll take it. I'll take it. Cause it's just like, you're just fighting for anything you can get right now. It's I've been driving to park city on Tuesdays and Thursdays for their drop-in just cause it's the only actual drop-in that I know of. We could well, do anyway. Alan right. and Mason could uh, use some of the big headshots. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm one step better than a pylon. 
<laughs> but that's where you have good pylons. Yeah, pylons are well. I'm one step. I have nicer gear than a pylon. Yeah, a pylon might, will probably stop more shots. Because <laughs> sometimes I don't want to get hit. You know how it is. Good yeah. locker room guy, though. Oh, I'm yeah. good in the locker room. Yeah, okay. invite me up. I'm, I'm entertaining at least. Yeah, he's got some dad jokes now. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, uh, on the next episode, we're gonna probably touch touch base with with you guys again. Uh, we're gonna try and get in touch with uh, Shannon Smith and uh, and Chris Billiter and find out what's going on with with rec right. leagues here and see if men are gonna get if the men's leagues are gonna get going and find out everything else that's going. We hope that something happens right away and that next week when I call you guys, you're like, I'm too busy because I got to get ready to go play actual hockey with, you know, an actual league. So we're rooting for all of you, Mason. I know this is an important year for you as a, this was your, this is your final year juniors and you just had guys on your team getting drafted. But as a, what is that like to watch the draft by the way, and watch your teammates go in the first, second, and third rounds. Is that amazing or yeah, it's pretty cool, and it's cool to see, you know, the backside of it when I, you know, play at them all year, see them, you know, work as hard as they do. Like, I tell you that Jarvis kid, he's unbelievable. I think he's going to be a great player in the NHL. And the guys that I played against, he's probably one of the best. So, um, he's going to be awesome. But it's cool, you know. It's like it's like some of your buddies just seen him on NBC. You know, it's pretty surreal. But Yeah, and then, so. then we talked about Vegas a lot. I, I've been reading that Glass is – you know, a big part of their plans this year. And that was one of your teammates your first year, right? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Cool. I mean, I know he's battled some injuries, but when he's healthy, he's, he's pretty phenomenal. He's got vision, like insane vision. So, I mean, he's going to be great as well, as long as he can stay healthy. Well, perfect. Perfect. Well, hopefully he'll wear some, uh, some buck tough outfitter stuff on some of the <laughs> Yeah. No kidding. I'll have to give him a call. <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, I can't thank you guys enough for being on, on the show. And we're excited about season three. We know it's going to be turbulent and unpredictable. Uh, Gary, do you have anything else to add? No, man. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to a, a good year. Hopefully we can all get back and stay healthy. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. uh, anybody else have anything they want to say before we end, end the recording? <laughs> all good. All right. Thanks again, guys. And that is the Utah Puck Report. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold season three, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.